It's time for the Drive's Top 4 at 4. Hour number two of the Drive underway here on Fan Run Radio. It's time for your Top 4 at 4, brought to you by Matlock Tire and Auto Service here once again. It's Tucker Harlan. Thank you, Russell. At number one, Tennessee defensive back Wesley Walker has entered the transfer portal. Walker finished 2023 with 53 tackles, a sack, and two passes defended. This is Walker's second time in the portal as he transferred from Georgia Tech to Tennessee two off-seasons ago. Huh. He's taking advantage of the current. We just need we need playmakers back there. I mean, we, the re- safety play under Heupel has just been so average. Yeah. Flowers, McCullough, and Walker. Those are like the only three guys we've played. Here's what's interesting is like most of these guys that are transferring out, Walker not being one of them, um, they were recruited by Pruitt. So you got to wonder a little bit, can Willie Martinez have a little bit more of a say on some of the development of these guys? Does that work out better? Well, I think it starts with recruiting. I think we got to get better talent back there. And maybe Jacoby Thomas is a nice start. But like, I, don't, I don't know. Who are, who are we penciling in there next year? Is it Thomas, uh, Jacoby Thomas, Jordan Thomas, the Thomas boys? Is it Maybe. Turrentine? Is it Slaughter? John, young John Slaughter? Is there a player still out there that we can go get? It's that That's an area that needs an upgrade. Just in terms of pure physical talent. But Wesley Walker, well, he was, he was okay. Yeah. Great players back there if you're going to have a great team. Absolutely. At number two, amid speculation about an imminent coaching change, Louisville Athletic Director Josh Hurd said Friday Uh that men's head basketball coach Kenny Payne will remain in place as the Cardinals enter ACC play. The dreaded vote of confidence. Following back-to-back losses earlier this month to 1-7 DePaul and 3-7 Arkansas State, the latter coming at home, Speculation swirled that Payne was going to be fired and replaced by an interim coach for the rest of the season. Yeah, I watched most of the first half of their game with Kentucky. It's just not a good team. They don't have good, pl- good. Yeah, that's true. He was eight of eight He's from okay, the field with but a double double. He doesn't play hard all the time, and that that stands out to me is just they look like a chaotic, disorganized mess. Grass is green and smoky. The dog nation. <laughs> it's- yeah, I mean, Hatfield's a, a great talent. I mean, we knew that here, but it, if, if a great talent should make the players around him better and, and a great team, and they're not. They're, they're hard to watch. Yeah. Oddly enough, I'm not even sure they're the worst team in that league this year because Notre Dame just got 20-piece by the Citadel at home. Really? Yeah. Really? Uh-huh. Wow. They got the guy from – not doing well. Shrewsbury? New coach from Penn State. Yeah. But it's, it's a complete rebuild there. Evidently. Yeah, because uh, Bray is out of there after, what, 20-something yep. seasons there? Mm-hmm. At number three, New England coach Bill Belichick said the kicking footballs used in the first half of Sunday's 27-17 loss to the Kansas City Chiefs were, quote, underinflated by two and a half pounds, and he deferred to the NFL as to why that's the case hey, for both teams. Hey, Billy boy. Oh, and she sent this one out, bro. <laughs> just pipe down over there, right? Yeah, this has happened go, before. Get ready. <laughs> Where have I heard this before? Why don't you go and take the Chargers' job, take the Bears' job, um, the Giants, whatever you're going to do. Why don't you go do that? 
but maybe this particular what deflated footballs really bruh don't you sit this one out yeah i think we remember that what was it 2014 yes. afc championship game against the colts particularly well yeah yeah we remember Got a lot of he's got some brass ones, man. Big yeah. to bring that up. Big ones for us. Is that it? Uh, one more. Right. And finally at number four, the NFL has fined the Atlanta Falcons seventy-five thousand dollars and coach Arthur Smith twenty-five thousand dollars for its handling of the team's injury report before Uh-oh. its week seven game against Tampa Bay in October. The league began their investigation after the Falcons. Uh, listed B. John Robinson, or did not list him on the injury report, rather, but barely played in the team's 16-13 win over the Buccaneers and told reporters after the game he had been suffering from an illness and headaches. What was the real deal? Well, you know, they the, the issue here is that they did not put him on the injury report. He was – he illness and headaches might have been true, but they yeah, did not list They that. did not okay. list him as – out with an injury when mm. he in fact did not play in the game at all and you know that can cost some people when you're yeah betting, betting and playing sure. fantasy football well and for the the opponent the bucks in this case they're preparing for something that is not there yeah. evidently huh all right very interesting thank you tucker that is the top four at four it's brought to you by matlock tire and auto service check them out online at matlocktireservice.com it's where i go for oil changes tire rotations and of course new tires they're the home of the price match guarantee you can bring in any competitors ad and they'll match the exact same tire for the exact same price local hometown service since 1953 it's what you get at matlock tire stop by any of their five area locations tell them fan run radio sent you again matlocktireservice.com to find the location nearest you our friend lucas panzica from 104.5 the zone is going to stop by coming up here in just a little moment in the meantime you want to jump on the show 865-546-8200 is your number to do show and polish joe is next what's up po joe how are we doing guys doing well how are you sir i'm doing good i was on hold yesterday and uh you guys were talking like Squirrel White was Randy Moss, and I, I, I got physically ill and had to hang up. I don't think that's true. That's that, just not what we were saying yeah, at all. Yeah, not comparing him to, in my the opinion. The way you guys were talking about Squirrel White, guys, all I heard was 760 yards this season. I guarantee you, if you look at it, 560 yards of them were playing against Hoopties. Did you see the touchdown catch he had against Alabama? Did you see that? Did he play 12 games, Russell? Did you see the touchdown? I, I mean, he, he, he was very durable. Third, yes. He did play 12 games. What are you talking about? He is a third receiver or fourth receiver Pojo. on a good football team. Pojo, you don't, don't, you don't, not like this, Pojo. Not like 560 this. yards against these terrible teams that we beat up on. That's a rectally derived number. Tucker's number is a real number. Pojo, you don't want to end your year like this. This is a horrible phone call, a horrible take. Not like this, Pojo. First of all, you chicken out of the tattoo bet from from Bear. Second, what are you talking about? Second, you chicken out. You wouldn't yeah, take it. Don't deny the bet. I said a national championship. I'll do it. You kept moving the you kept moving the goalposts. National championship. Our man Rich Bruins is twenty. That wasn't the bet. 
in 27 that wasn't the bet. in the NCAA tournament. I mean, that's, Bye-bye. He just, barely even got to Rick Barnes. Pathetic phone call. Just pathetic. That was pathetic. one of his all-time worst. Just what two of the worst cut? takes I've ever heard the entire year. Pojo, like that's the way he's going to end the year. That's his final phone call to Fan Run Radio this year. Yeah, he's totally content with that. Just lost his mind. What an idiot. How do you lose something you never had? I mean, good grief, man. Good grief. That was all-time bad. Squirrel White is going to have if, – if Nico is who we think he is, uh, he, he could very well have a 1,000-yard season. Yeah. Um, it's it, it's disappointing. Mean, I'm sure he's disappointed that he didn't get more opportunities this year because of the quarterback play. Always comparing him to Randy Moss. That did not happen. No. Did All we did happen. was push back against who was it? Phil Phil, Phil was taking I mean, and, and again, this is kind of you know, you, you see where this is coming from. Well, but yeah. it it's you know, he, he he's a very good college receiver, man. He he flashed plenty last year, he flashed plenty this year. He had a pretty good season this year. And with better quarterback play, like he's a weapon. That's a dude that do, – do you watch NFL football? Do you watch professional football? You see those guys all over the league, little guys who are not six feet tall, not even. Right. I mean, the MVP of the league this year might be one of those guys for the Miami Dolphins, Tyreek Hill, who can fly. Yeah. That's what you want, man. He's got to have a quarterback that can get him the ball. Speed kills. That's what you want. I, uh, we're gonna we're gonna rip our playmakers now. I mean, that's two days in a row. Good grief, man! What are we doing? Uh, it just gets to the point. It's like, why why do you even watch? Why do you care? Why do you watch? Yeah. Eight six five five four six eight two zero zero. Tennessee up to sixth in the Ken Palm rankings today. Phil says we don't look like a top 10 team. We're number six in Ken Palm, uh, 9-3 on the year, 30th in adjusted offense, fourth overall in adjusted defense, efficiency, and I saw Will Warren last night make a good point, and you don't overreact to – and again, we won the game by 20 points, 19 points. We we won the game by 20, basically, and and people are – you know, Kentucky was a very good team this year. Lost at home to UNC Wilmington. UNC Wilmington, Auburn, who is up to seventh, one spot behind us in the. We can't get rid of Pearl, can we? No. Uh, in the Kim Palm rankings, lost at home to Appalachian State. I think it may have been there, but still, okay. you shouldn't you lose. You lost to Appy State. You shouldn't lose. And you know that the, these things happen, man. There, you Tennessee doesn't have a loss like that. Mm-mm. Their losses are quote unquote good losses to good teams. They don't have any bad losses. You know, this Alabama team, it's it's strange, man, what these records are, right? Alabama is 6-5, and five, number 9 in Ken Palm. Yeah, it's because they've also played a tough schedule. Evidently. Yeah. Both Arizona and Purdue on that schedule for them, who've been 1-2 and two in the AP poll at one point or another. Brad in La Follette is next. What's up, Brad? How's it going, guys? Going well, thank you. 
and I can speak from experience, stay away from Turkey Creek. <laughs> You're the second person to make that suggestion here today. Uh, it's, it's, it's miserable. It's miserable. Almost as miserable as Pojo's phone call. Good Lord. That was a tough look for Pojo. I hate to see anybody. I mean, he, he's had some rough phone calls this year. Let's call it what oh, it yeah. is. But I hate to see people end on that note. It gave him every opportunity, every opportunity to pump the brakes. To that was going nowhere fast. It was getting out of control, and he wouldn't do it, Brad. He wouldn't do I went it. Back and wa- I went back and watched that Alabama game, um, uh, the, the first half. Anyway, but there's there's only a handful of receivers in the whole country that could have made that catch that Squirrel White made in that game. That, that was absolutely unbelievable, and he don't get enough credit for that catch. No, a circus catch. Uh, there were, you know, he he took a beating too. Uh, he he caught short balls and turned them into ten yard gains all year long. Um, quarterback who just couldn't get in the ball when it was there. You know, he went away from th- using the middle of the field, which is typically the slot receiver's domain where Hyatt feasted last year because they got gun shy after Joe threw the two picks at Texas A and M. And if Nico is who we think he is and Squirrel stays healthy, he'll have a 1,000 yards easy next year and go to the NFL. Oh, yeah, he should. And uh, as, as far as Joe Milton goes, man, I, I, I tip my hat to that dude. Um, Josh Hopple, I, I believe Josh Hopple is – and he, he's still having to fight this every day in recruiting. Josh Hopple's offense is considered a gimmick offense. And I believe he's trying and doing everything he can to get Joe Milton drafted. The more people you start throwing in the NFL, the less gimmicky your offense is going to seem to people. And I believe that was Josh Hopple's main goal of Joe this season. No, not his main goal. No, I mean, not his main goal, but I mean, uh, giving him opportunities and, and, and getting him drafted. I mean, I'm sure he would love to put him in the NFL, and if he does, it is a feather in his cap by by all means. And and it looks like that's going to happen because you've got, um, you know, knowledgeable NFL people out there saying that Joe Milton is going to be drafted in in the draft, and and not in the last round either. So that's that's exciting. But I would like to think that Josh Heupel's main focus is winning games and playing the guy that gives you the best chance to win. And, Look, it doesn't matter anymore because even if Joe is the guy in this bowl game, it's just one game, it's bowl game, whatever. This is Nico's team pretty much starting now. Heck yeah. And we're, we're going to find out whether or not he lives up to the hype pretty quickly, I would imagine. Yep. Well, guys, uh, I'm excited about the new lineup. Um, glad to hear Craig uh, Blake Crass is joining the show. Yeah, man. Maybe he'll have some uh, fish stories. Um, for us when he gets on there leaving. Yeah, he's not going to come in here smelling like night crawlers and, and bass bait. We're going to have to talk to him about that. <laughs> yeah, we shower here on the drive. Yeah. We come in here. All right, guys, I'll see you. Have, have, have a Merry Christmas. You guys. too, Brad. You too, Brad. Appreciate you, buddy. 865-546-8200. Lucas Widespread Panzeca, 104.5 The Zone, and Titans Radio in Nashville, set to join the festivities when we continue right after this. The Drive. Merry Christmas. Fan Run Radio. 
Back here on The Drive, Russell Bear, Ed Tucker cruising with you on a Friday afternoon edition of the show, our final fan-run offering of the year. Off all week, next week, anything you got to say today, now's the time, folks. Now's the time. This is it. We go to Nashville. Lucas Widespread Panzeca, 104.5 The Zone, Titans Radio, joining in the festivities. LP, good afternoon. How are you, sir? Afternoon, guys. I'm good. I'm honored that y'all brought me in for your uh, your last call Friday. Absolutely, man. We saved the best for last. Merry Christmas to you and yours. I hope things are well for you in the mid-state. We got a big game coming up. The Seahawks rolling in here this weekend for a little Christmas Eve action. Big games, a lot of playoff implications in this one, uh, at least for one team. Are there? The I was gonna, okay. Not, yeah. No, big game for the Seahawks. Big game for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, for the Tennessee Titans, not so much as far as postseason aspirations. It's it's weird. It's kind of uncharted territory in this era of the Titans where, you know, it felt pretty normal back in the 2014-15 yeah. iteration uh, to be eliminated at this point in the season. But it's been a minute, been a minute since we've had to talk about a game without it actually impacting what they might do in the postseason. Well, and it's different because back in that era that you reference, uh, I kind of lost interest by by this point in the season. It's just like, whatever. Um, I don't find myself really losing interest here. I'm interested to see who plays quarterback, how they do. And there's – there's um, I, I'm excited about the offseason and, and Will Levis and the potential to – to fix this offensive line, continue to develop the young quarterback, and then see where things end up next year. Like I, I think the future is at least somewhat bright. Is, is am I being sheepy in that take, Lucas, or what do you think? No, it's perfectly reasonable to have excitement about the offseason because this team is going to have every resource available to them in the offseason to fix things around Will Levis on the offensive line to maybe add some speed to the offense and. We'll see what happens with Danico Autry, who's, whose contract will be up. Obviously, Derrick Henry's contract will be up. So there are a ton of moves to be made, a ton of decisions to be made, and they have damn near the most cap space in the National Football League to do it with, not to mention the upcoming draft. So we have not had an offseason like this in the Mike Vrabel era uh, of the Titans, and it's been quite a while for, for the franchise in general to have as much spending money as they will have here in the coming months and it's going to be really interesting, and that dynamic between Mike Vrabel and Rand Carthon as the decision makers. We're going with Barthon over here, by the way. Like we've kind of okay. tried to tap Bar- that. It sounds like a Power Rangers like uh, like Barthon. villain character or something. But that's what we've tabbed the Carthon Vrabel decision making nucleus as is Barthon. So we have oh, yet to Barthon. see them have okay. Barthon. That's right. Just combine the two. Have yet to see them have a full off season under their belt. They had kind of they had one last season, but Carthon was brought in and officially named in January, and they're kind of trying to run it back with this core that they have now. But this is going to be really interesting as they depart into this offseason and the next iteration of the Mike Vrabel era with him having much more of a say in personnel. Lucas Pantzika with us this afternoon on the show. LP, what does the ideal offseason for the Titans look like? Well, First and foremost, it's, it's on the offensive line, and you have the building block that is Peter Skaronsky. Uh, I mean, really, guys, that, that's the only player on this offensive line that I could look you right in the eye and say he is going to be starting in that spot next season. 
Peter Skaronsky at left guard. You can go ahead and book that. That That's happening. Elsewhere, I still think it's all up for grabs. That doesn't mean guys won't be back. But Daniel Brunskill could be back. Maybe he'd be better as a serviceable uh, you know, backup at right guard. Jalen Duncan will be back next year. How does he factor in maybe as a swing tackle? Does he find himself starting at either one of the tackle spots? But there's no question, offensive line, first and foremost. And then building off of that, you got to figure out uh, what the future entails for Derrick Henry. And on top of that, just what you want this brand of offense to be without Derrick Henry. We haven't seen that yet in the Mike Vrabel era. I mean, you felt like you saw a glimpse of what Derrick Henry looks like when he just does not impact the football game. You saw that on Sunday, and it wasn't pretty. So what the Titans do in turn if Henry does not come back is going to be really interesting as far as the identity of this offense without number 22 back there. Lucas, um, you you say, you know, what does it look like without Henry? I mean, that kind of – we all kind of think it's it's coming to an end for him in Nashville, or are we decided on that? I mean, it certainly feels that way. It feels that way. I mean, if I had to sit here and, and you know, put money on it one way or another, I'd say Derrick Henry's probably not back next year. And, look, if Derrick Henry does not come back next year, it's not going to be because the Titans couldn't afford it, right? Mm-hmm. If Derrick Henry's not back next year, it's because they have decided to move on. It's going to be really interesting to see what the market for him is like as a free agent when you look at the current state of the running back market in the NFL. And this past offseason was really interesting in that regard when Dalvin Cook is getting that $8 million type of money on a one-year deal he's gotten with the Jets. That just has not worked out. I figure Henry's market will be a lot more in the range of an Ezekiel Elliott was when he went to the Patriots last year. That's not going to be something that the Titans aren't going to be able to afford. So if he does not come back, it's because that's the decision that they have made. And Tajay Spears, come on down, right, as as RB1. uh, Just what does that mean for the identity of the offense as a whole? It feels like this season you've kind of had this one foot in, one foot out uh, type of mentality with the offense where they've gone away from the hand it to Henry 25 times a game because they simply can't do that. They can't line up and play that way with what's in front of them. But at the same time, he, he still feels like a big piece of their identity offensively. So to be honest, I'm not sure what that looks like. Uh, but offensive line is going to be priority number one, two, and three, it feels like, this offseason. And then on the outside, man, just just some sort of speed uh, at the wide receiver position for me, some sort of compliment to DeAndre Hopkins. The next three games then, because you still have three games to play, and it's a good opportunity for evaluating guys like Traylon Burks. What do you have in Traylon Burks, your first-round pick that's barely been available, that flashed on Sunday but uh, hasn't really practiced this week due to an illness? So, a lot of questions to be answered here in the coming months. You know, we haven't talked about defense at all. Um, quickly, you know, I understand there's going to be movement at every position in, in any level of football, but is it really just as simple as get another corner, a little bit better secondary play, and you're pretty comfortable with what you've got, generally speaking, in the front seven? It might be. I think a big question there is around Danico Autry. Uh, Danico Autry has been sort of this, just an interesting case study as a guy that just continues to get older and just continues to get better (laughs) at that position. The guy's having a career year. I mean, he picked up his 10th sack of the season on Sunday, which is a career high. I mean, he's 33 years old. He's going to be 34 next year. So do we see the Titans kind of pull a a Jarrell Casey 
where they cut ties and they feel like it times up to where that drop off is going to happen, or do they decide to bring back Danico Autry, who I, I stand by is one of the most underrated pass rushers in the NFL? Other than that, you mentioned the corner spot. What do you do with Sean Murphy Bunting, uh, who, who's on a one-year deal? Is that a guy that you bring back? Because if you don't, you're almost starting from scratch at that position, with the exception of Roger McCreary. I, I, nobody in Nashville believes that Christian Fulton is going to be a Tennessee Titan next year. That, that just kind of feels like it's run its course. So you bring back Roger McCreary. You have Elijah Moulton, who's a versatile piece back there, but there's no question the core of this pass rush is going to be back with Harold Landry and, and Arden Key and obviously Jeffrey Simmons in the middle of that defensive line. Uh, but the secondary, I'm with you, is where there's going to be the most retooling. Lucas Padzika with us this afternoon. Lucas, is Nashville fired up for the um, Music City Bowl with, heck, I don't know, Maryland? Auburn and Maryland. Ma- Auburn and Maryland. And no <laughs> Talia Tungavaloa. No Talia. No, it's unfortunate. Um, I'm just glad Tennessee's not in it, man. I, I don't know what's <laughs> going to happen in that game. I don't know who is in or out for Auburn, uh, but uh, the only thing I care about right now regarding Maryland football is are they actually going to sign Jordan Seaton? Yeah. Or is Tennessee going to get back in there? Wouldn't that be something? I mean, is that is that being talked about? Like Tennessee yes. getting back in the mix? Yeah. yeah. I mean, apparently, Nico and Boo Carter have been – working it behind the scenes for Tennessee. Man, that, that feels like something that could really elevate this recruiting class from, I don't know, how, how have you guys been? We had, I don't mean to, to yeah, no, we had tables on you. Ryan Callahan was on the show yesterday from Go Vols 247, and he said that if Tennessee added Seton to the class, this was yesterday, so maybe some things have yeah. moved, but he said you know, Tennessee was, I think, 13th on 247. He said if they signed Seton, they would go to 8th. It's a huge difference. Yeah. It's a huge difference. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know how you guys have talked about this recruiting class, but I can't help but look at it and then look up at, at what's above Tennessee, right, and that gap that that's, that seems far and wide right now and think about what a difference Jordan Seaton would make. It still feels like this offseason's a plus for Tennessee, but, man, they, just, just two or three swings and misses uh, that it feels like Tennessee could, could have put itself in a better spot. But, uh, but then I, does, does the stuff with Seaton concern you too? At the same time, you're 17, and with that kind of spotlight and that kind of money that I imagine is being thrown around, I'm not going to act like I would handle it any differently. But when it comes down to the early signing period and going to Colorado and then coming back out of Colorado and, and now Maryland's in the mix and maybe Tennessee's back in the mix, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how, uh, how we look at that uh, in this day and age and sort of project if, if, if that's a guy you can expect to be in the same place for four years. So, but I don't know if you can say that about anybody nowadays. No, and with Seton, I mean, he's the number 11 player in the country on 247, number one offensive tackle. I think, you know, unless you have a guy who's – I mean, he's not involved in any criminal activity, right? It's just yeah. a bunch of a bunch of immaturity, basically, yeah. is what we're seeing. I think you probably roll the dice on a guy like that. But, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know that it's going to be uh, Tennessee, but – like as you kind of hinted at, he doesn't. He he looks like a guy that could be a portal candidate. Maybe you make another run at him here a year from now. Let him go, take some of Maryland's money, and then you bring him home here in a year. That, that's the hey, way you look go. at some of this recruiting stuff in twenty twenty three, Lucas. It's crazy. It is. It is crazy. Uh, this this the calendar is crazy, man. Like it, it's so. 
you know, like for us, we're, we're over here trying to get ready for Titan Seahawks and, and getting ready for the Titans offseason. And then in the college football world, like we're talking about the portal and we're talking about the early signing period. And then we're talking about the playoff semifinal and we're talking about bowl prep. And you have Malik Murphy, the backup quarterback at Texas, who has to enter the portal, would love to be with his teammates and seems gutted that he can't be with them uh, for a playoff run and be one snap away from playing in the college football playoff. But uh, he has no choice, right? Because he has to enter the portal. So the craziness is all kind of compounded by the, the calendar right now, too. Like, I cannot imagine being a head coach or an assistant coach at the Power Five level uh, in this day and age of college football. I just, anytime I have any sort of headaches uh, regarding our jobs, like, you just have to remind yourself, at least you're not a college football coach, uh, uh, other than a fired college football coach, which I would trade anything for. Well, and then you have this deal with opt-outs, which usually a fan base, like LSU fans, are disappointed, right, that Jaden right. Daniels is opting out. Usually that's the way it works. You have a really good player, he opts out of the bowl game. Oh, man, we don't get to see this guy. And then you've got Tennessee, <laughs> where fans want the quarterback to opt out <laughs> because, A, they're tired of watching him play, and, B, they want to see his backup play. So you just get these weird situations. What's your thoughts on Tennessee against Iowa in the Citrus Bowl? So Brent Hubbs of VolQuest was on uh, the morning show on The Zone earlier today, and he said, and this was so out of left field for me, where he said he thinks Nico is going to play early in this game. What What is the, the buzz right now? Like, I'm going to flip it back on you guys. What, what is the buzz right now on the quarterback? Because it's, it's interesting how it sort of parallels with the Titans too, right? The discussion uh, this week before Mike Brabel stepped up to the podium and told us, hey, if Levis can't go, Tannehill's the quarterback. Like it, 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 it seemed very logical for Mike Brabel, right, that, no, if the starters hurt, the backup goes in. <laughs> Whereas we, we were talking it about it. Yeah. Like, yeah, right. But we were talking about it as though, think about the boxes that it checks for Malik to start the game at quarterback. You, you give Malik another opportunity to see if there's anything there in terms of being a viable backup. You, uh, you, you obviously rest Levis off of that ankle. And you keep Tannehill upright because the guy probably wants to start games next year and isn't looking to re-aggravate anything with the ankle behind this offensive line. And then there's the Titans fans that obviously want to lose for better draft position. Feels like there's winners all over the place if you put Malik Willis in, except for giving you the best chance to win the game, which is all Mike Vrabel cares about. And then there's the Vols where Tennessee fans are saying, yeah, it's logical that Joe Milton plays. He's the starter. That's the logical, fair thing to do. But Ah, we want to see Nico, right? So, but so, what's the buzz been in that regard? And do you guys actually expect to see Nico? I keep hearing these rumblings that even after bowl practice had started, which I guess has been going yeah. for a week now, that maybe Milton won't play, which seems odd to me. If you're going to opt out, just go ahead and and opt out. Like, why go to practice? And even today, you're you're starting to see some more people saying like maybe Hypel plays Nico. I believe it when I see it. Like that just doesn't. Everything we've seen out of Josh Hypel is like he doesn't experience. Kind of like Vrabel. He he doesn't experiment. He he does what he yep. thinks is going to win the game, yep. and and he goes out there and does that. So I'm not expecting to see Nico in the bowl. I, I hope I'm wrong. I would like to see Nico in the bowl game, but. I don't know. In regards to Willis, LP, I, I get the draft thing. Like, if, if that's your goal, if, if you truly want to tank, which we know Vrabel is, is not going to do, then then by all means play Willis. I I don't see it, man. I, no, <laughs> I he just can't go all the way. <clears throat> he doesn't seem to be wired that way. He tries to win every game regardless. 
yeah, no, that, that is not even as uh, as Boo Corrigan of the playoff would say. It's not in the lexicon of that building over there. Yeah, the idea of better draft position. No, not not even a little bit. These next three games, they're going to go out and try and win. Will Levis is questionable. We'll see what happens there with the ankle. You know, if if he is even remotely capable of going, he's going to want to go. And, uh, and and if not, Tannehill's going to be the guy. So, uh, yeah, Titans are going to try to win against the Seahawks. They got the Texans on the road, and then they'll finish things out with Jacksonville uh, back here at home. But that would be fascinating if Heifel does choose to roll out Nico in that moment where, you know, if you're not going to throw him out when you're getting blown out by Mizzou on the road, uh, then I'd be pretty surprised to see you throw him out there for the bowl game. Yep, me too. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out, though. Lucas, we appreciate you, my friend. Uh, congrats on all your success this year. I'm sure we'll be calling on you early and often in 2024. Have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Same to you guys. Merry Christmas, man. Looking forward to, to talking to you all again. Yep. Lucas Panzica, 104.5 The Zone in Nashville. And, of course, Titans Radio making his presence felt this afternoon on the show. We're going to take – a quick timeout. We'll come right back. More of your phone calls on the way. You're listening to The Drive right here on Fan Run Radio. The Drive. It's that time. Christmas time is here. Fan Run Radio. The Drive continues. Lucas Panzika. Bear, what did you learn? I mean, I kind of already knew it. I mean, Titans – Tanking's not something that Vrabel and the Titans do, even though it would probably benefit the Titans if they did it. <clears throat> like there's a couple of like premium left tackles. Uh, there, there is a part of me that's like, just go ahead and start Malik Willis, lose these last couple of games, and and I won't watch because I can't watch Malik Willis play football. I just can't do it. And and we'll go ahead and take the L's and get that that draft. Like that probably is the smart play, long term. But it's not in Vrabel's DNA, I, man. Yeah, and and <clears throat> at the end of the day, I'm a fan. I like to watch my team play, so I can watch Ryan Tannehill play. Like I, I think we can probably go out there and play with the Seahawks Sunday with Tannehill. So I guess that's what we'll do. And I mean, here's the thing behind that line. I don't. We're probably going to see Malik Willis regardless. I don't think Tannehill will make it through a game behind that line. He can't move as good as uh, Levis. He can't escape. He doesn't have that. Tannehill's quick... sneaky, athletic man. He, he he's played receiver in college. <clears throat> yeah. He is, but he's not. Like that was one of the big differences I noticed is, is Levis has been a little bit more. Uh, he was better suited to playing behind this garbage offensive line because I don't think it matters because I think Levis is going to play because he's kind of a meathead. He's a tough guy and like he's going. I mean, his career won't last long unless he learns how to slide. Let's go back to Nashville and talk to Brad in Nashville. Brad, Hello, Brad. Well, uh, first off, guys, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Brad. And uh, since it's um, Christmas, that also means it's Festivus. And in the airing of grievances, I have some problems with Barthon. Um, as far <laughs> as uh, what we should have done, um, they should have blown it up last year. They should have traded Derrick Henry at the beginning of the season while the legend of him was still alive to get something for him. Should have traded Kevin Byard if he needed to get out. There's the thousands of moves that they could have made instead of trying to run it back with what we have this year, which is nothing. There's no offensive line. This, op- this offense is not a coherent unit. We lost three or four games this year that we absolutely should have had in the bag. 
and our offensive play calling has been mediocre at best. It's a lot of a lot of issues with this team. They have many, many more needs and questions than answers. I mean, and, for uh, me, it starts with the signing of Andre Dillard. Like, I uh, I still remember when that story broke, and I was reading about, and I was like. I don't see it. This guy couldn't get on the field for the. He wasn't yeah. hurt. He, I mean, he they was playing. He was not at on the field at all in the Texans game. In fact, I could see him just walking around on the sidelines, it clear as terrible. day from where I was. And like that, everything you just said is, is true, Brad. But I mean, to me, like that was the first in a cascading situation of just bad decisions. So, well, I remember. You, I remember you had the. Uh, Face after we drafted Levis in the second round and traded up to do it, that I went on a ten-minute rant about it just because I I saw this in the future then, where there are certain points when you look at your roster construction and you just have to make peace with the fact that the window is closed. Running backs age like milk, and Derrick Henry's over thirty. I mean, what well, what is going on here that isn't perfectly predictable for anyone who gives a damn about seeing that team win games going into the future and not just in six months or whenever, however far the draft is from when the season starts. Like, it's just, it's malpractice. And I, and it really pisses me off to see my team making mistakes like that that I know we're going to be paying for for years. Because Well, what are, what are, what are your feelings? thoughts on the okay. Levis thing? Because, like, I mean, we were all disappointed, but I think Bear and I have, kind of gotten on board i think tucker's gotten on board or are you in our camp or is it kind of sounds like you're over there with marcus young uh-oh they should have taken him in the first round if they think that he was that they thought he was that good and they thought he was the guy that they thought he was going to be then you got to take him in the first round to get that fifth year control on his contract because otherwise we're going to be paying him before we even know if he's any mm. good because the team's going to suck for the next couple of years we're, we're not going to know what his ceiling is because he's spending the whole time on his ass that's a good point no it's not Marcus's point. Marcus just yeah. hates him because he played at Kentucky. Well, I mean, I, I think Skaronsky's who I wanted. Like, yeah. and yeah. I know he hasn't set the world on fire, but he has been good. He's obviously not a bust. He's going to be he's penciled flashed. in. Yeah, he's he, he and he's fine, and you know he's he's going to be there for a while. So at the time, that's who I wanted, and they got him. And I really probably wouldn't do that over again. But everything else has but, kind of been botched. But if you look at it, whenever the teams that do really well and go and win Super Bowls usually have young quarterbacks that are on the cheap. Yeah. Like, look at uh, what happened with Mal Holmes in Kansas City. Sure. As soon as they paid him, have they won a Super Bowl since then? I think they might have won a second one, but they're they not even year. close to having that good of a team this year <laughs> because they're going to suck up half the damn salary cap for the damn quarterback. Well, I mean, having that fifth year is crucial whenever you're talking about roster construction and how much you pay these guys. The but problem is I, I Kansas know. City's receivers suck. Well, that too. I mean, you got to make a good team. Well, they've got all their money tied up in Mahomes, which I think is Brad's point. But you got a quarter. I mean, it's that's part of the beauty of the NFL is is you have that parity because you can't just do what the Dodgers are doing right now. We're, we're just going to buy all the good players, and well, they got they got a billion dollars locked up in two guys. So yeah, and uh, and and that's. That's kind of lame, right? For for baseball fan, I mean, if, I guess if you're a Dodgers fan, that's cool. But for football fans, I, I like it that okay, you've got this quarterback, and and you have to pay him. Like you you have to pay Mahomes. I hope we're in the situation in four years where it's like, well, I guess we got to pay Levis. Like we got to do what we got to do because that'll mean that he's he's that good. Um, 
but it comes at a trade-off because, yeah, you, you won't have as much money well, to spend it, on other positions. It gets back to why I was so pissed last April whenever we drafted him is because this is the complete wrong way to go about it. You got to, I don't know, wait for the there, – there are quarterbacks that you take in the first round and then there are middling guys like this guy. Yes, he has some good qualities that are going to win you some games, but Mariota threw four touchdowns, four touchdowns in his first game too. And he had a 90-yard run one time that I remember. It was a gif on my phone. But when it comes down to it, he's not a starting quarterback. Levis has a higher ceiling than him. That much is obvious. I just don't know if they made the right decision. But uh, that that aside, um, we'll see what happens later on, and maybe I'll be proven wrong. I hope I am. Your grievances uh, have been Derek Dooley noted. Yeah, had to clear the air. As far as uh, the signing class goes, it was boring but good in a good way. All the guys that we had coming, we got the Williams kid, we got the Ross kid, um, Bo Carter, like all the top-end guys that we wanted to get, we have. Um, and the transfer portal ended up being okay. Like, uh, I'd rather build teams recruiting high school kids, although they don't stick around as long as they used to, rather than going and getting mercenaries. But the dudes that we brought in are at positions of need and with talent. So big picture how do you see our roster construction for the Vols going in the next season? I mean, I like it. I, I I think that you've got your offensive line, you've got your quarterback, you've got running, you've got two solid running backs, um, you've got four or five. It sounds like we're going to have excellent receiver options. You got a stud tight end. Like we're loaded on offense, which is really all that matters when you're talking about Josh Heupel football. And I, I say that somewhat facetiously defensively you've got all these defensive linemen coming back like your, your linebacker your peely uh, arian carter those guys should be good secondary we'll see we'll see i mean we got some talented corners i'm a little bit worried about the safety position but yeah i'm excited about next year man I, I think they should be right there hunting for 10 wins and a berth in the college football playoff i i feel like we got the bullets in the gun to be able to punch with anyone we go onto the field with um and with the hopeful improvement in quarterback play, um, Godspeed, Milton. Uh, hope nothing but the best for you. I hope you tear it up in the NFL, but I hope that's where you are. Um, I'm ready to see if uh, the number one quarterback in high school out of last year is actually living up to the billing. So we'll see that soon enough. Uh, go balls. Hopefully um, Barnes keeps it together and uh, we keep rising there too. So um, love you guys. Take it easy. And um, I guess I'll be talking to you all in Houston later. Peace. Thank you, Brad. We appreciate it, my man. Let's hear a little bit more from Rick Barnes. This is after the game yesterday discussing, uh, well, a couple of things in the game, but first of all, his thoughts on being nominated for the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. Well, what it means, you know, this is a team game, and uh, I, I've been blessed. Uh, the good Lord has looked after me for a long, long time, even way back when probably – was growing in trying to figure out how to be a, a head basketball coach, but it's always been about the players. It's always been about our staff. I mean, I've, I've, I've always tried to pride myself in hiring people that I thought was better than me. I, I think that when you're in a, a leadership position, you got to be someone that's willing to learn something every day. And the way you do that, you surround yourself with great people. And obviously, uh, not it's not just your coaches, it's everybody in the organization. And then my family, you know, they've stuck with me. I mean, I think I've what made 10 different moves over the years and and uh but again i i'm just thankful that the good lord's 
he's blessed me in ways that I can't even imagine. But uh, anytime you're involved in a team sport and you're singled out for something, it always goes back to a, it's, it's a team sport. And it's all those that have helped you along the way and been there with you along the way. And they're as much a part of it as anybody. What are you going to do to get Dalton to snap out of this? Well, I think he's going to have to understand he's, he, if he's not shooting the ball, he, he can impact games other ways. And, and I think if he'll uh, – again, I think he's always put his, you know, everything into scoring the ball. And he now he is, he is seeing some things that he's never seen before in terms of the physicality and and uh, heavy gaps. And But, he, but he, he's, he doesn't have to – score it. He just needs to make good plays. And he's capable of doing because there's nothing he can't do. He can pass it. And, uh, and, and believe me, once he starts making those kind of hockey assists, those Gretzky's where he makes the pass that leads to the basket, that's when things will change. When people have to, okay, they have to make an adjustment because he's not going to always be able to catch the ball and hop. He hops too much on the perimeter and think he's going to get downhill with it. You know, we're, we try to move him around and put him in different positions, but, you know, he's got a big target on his back and, uh, but he's going to, he, he can't let the fact he's not making shot impact the other end of the court. I mean, he, he's going to have to figure out how to get fouled. He's going to have to figure out how he can run the court and get some easy buckets that way. He's going to have to understand that he can go offensive rebound, score that way. Uh, if he's just going to wait and think he's going to score it every time he has the ball in his hand, he is going to be frustrated. And it's, and it's going to affect him that way. And, and uh, but, uh, a game like this, again, we, when we put together a schedule like this, we knew exactly what we were getting with Tarleton State. We knew what we were getting with NC State. And we knew that uh, those teams are teams that really, really pressure hard. They're real physical. And they're trying to see that you can make one-on-one -on -one plays. And then, obviously, as the year goes on, everybody plays analytics and they play scouting report. And that's what they're doing with him right now. So he's going it's – all, it's all new to him. Believe me, he's never had this type of athlete – and it's, and it's only going to intensify as we, as we continue into the SEC. Coach, pretty, essentially played eight guys tonight. Caden, JP played a little the first half. Are you comfortable with that? And yeah. What, what, do you have, what do the other guys have to do? To, no, to I, mean, again, we're, we, I mean, we're still, you know, we're going to win games. I mean, you, we can't afford to lose this game in any way, shape, or form. I mean, these games, I mean, every game's an NCAA tournament game. And it's not just about winning, it's about playing the right way. And what I've told the young guys, it's all about them learning how to play defense. That's the caliber we want them to play. That's what we want to see. And uh, and so you think about it. You're asking me about playing. We got to get Dalton going. We got to get Jordan Ganey going where he where he's going. We got to get Jemai Meshack playing. Like this is a tough game for him the way they're, they're guarding. You know. And again, those other guys. Again, we'd like to see him get out there some. We would. But I mean, it's not just the young guys. It's it's uh, consistency. You know, we're somebody asked about the consistency. That's what we've been talking about all year. It's Rick Barnes after the game last night at Tump's Bowling Arena as Tennessee wins it by 19 over Tarleton State. And uh, the offense is what had some of the fans scratching their heads. But for Barnes, it's still all about the defense. Always will be. Defense first. Well, they say it wins championships, Bear. Uh, we haven't seen it here yet. <laughs> well, we won a conference championship and a conference tournament championship mm-hmm mm -hmm. and this year we're going to the final four i'm manifesting it okay speaking it into existence but will if we do uh 
I guess Jamie's turtled up. He's not gonna. He's not gonna participate. He's in turtled. The bet. It's yeah. sad, man. That will be hysterical. That, that is it. Turtle Jamie did not hear from him yesterday. He called out yesterday. Haven't heard from him. Yet. I mean, he's got an hour, Jamie. Like you're just gonna let this go? Yeah. Yeah. You're just gonna let this go. We're not gonna let it go. Like Come on, time you're turtle. Just not gonna call the show anymore. Now, what would be hilarious is uh, Motormouth Joe. If if we somehow won. <laughs> for it win a national championship <laughs> we oh, he, won't it it. He, he won't do it he won't do it he needs to win too we got <laughs> you do a pretty good poet dude give us some more poets joe on the way out here rose petals we, we got a bunch of we got some turtles remember the song that turtles so happy together that's what <laughs> happy they're all happy together, together. great song polish joe philly hour number three of the drive coming up next right here on fan run radio The Drive.